What would your life look like if you started off this new year fully dependent upon God? Not half dependent, not three quarters or seven eighths or whatever fraction comes next dependent, but fully dependent upon God. Part of the problem is, is that we think we're fully dependent upon God, but we're really not. Things might be bad, but maybe we still have our health. We hate our job, but we still have one. We're down two touchdowns in the Rose Bowl, but it's only halftime. You see, there's all these things that we think that we're in really bad shape, but a lot of times things aren't as bad as we think they are. And if we really want to be honest... If we want to be fully dependent upon God, that means that we've got to go through some bad things. Bad things have to happen in order for us to get a point to even understand what it means to be fully dependent upon God. And I don't like that any more than you do, but that is the reality that we are faced. Well, church, bad things have happened. A couple of years ago, we had this thing that started with the pandemic, that had both the NCAA tournament and the Olympics canceled, and it was an election year. It was this thing called 2020. It was awful. Bad things happened. And then about a year later, this other thing happened. It was called 2021. It was so bad it even took Betty White on its way out as just to be a cruel joke. Too soon? Nah, yeah. She'd laugh at that. Here we are in 2022. COVID infections are going rampant. My internal optimist wants to say, give 2022 a chance. But the realist in me is saying, let's be cautious about this one. What I'm trying to say is that while the last few years have been bad, these have been perfect times for us to learn how to be fully dependent upon God. I don't know how well we've done at that, but they've been perfect times for us. And I think that what God wants more than anything else for East Point, because let's face it, East Point's had a couple of rough years too. I think He wants that only God can saying to be more than just a saying. And not that it's not already, but He wants to go deeper with us in what it means to be an only God can kind of people. What it means for us to be fully dependent upon God for everything. And so today we begin a series called The Long Road Home. It's about the last 750 years or so before the time that Jesus came. Before He was born. And there are lessons that we can learn from each era, and today we're going to learn about what it means to be fully dependent or fully reliant upon God. We pick up the story about 250 years or so after the time of David. You'll remember that after Solomon, Israel was split into two countries, the southern kingdom, known as Judah, and the northern kingdom, which is known as Israel. And both of these countries were in serious decline because they refused to trust in God in a continual basis. In fact, when we pick up the story today, Israel is no more. Just as we saw in the video, they had been done away with. Assyria had come in. God had allowed them to be attacked for them to go away because of their continual disobedience. 
Then the Assyrians came marching down to Judah. And here in Judah, there's this really good king named Hezekiah. Here's what the Bible says about Hezekiah, and we'll be in 2 Kings, the 18th chapter today. It says, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. This is a pretty unique dude here, isn't he? He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands the Lord had given Moses, and the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. That's the introduction we get to Hezekiah. But we also see that Hezekiah, just like you and me, was not a perfect person. In fact, what we see is that while he was trusting in God to a certain degree, it wasn't 100%. We read in the story in 2 Kings 18 that he had made some alliances with the Egyptians in order to help fight off the Assyrians. Well, that's not all that bad, I suppose. But then after that in the story, we read that Hezekiah had been paying off the Assyrians in order to stay away, which we all know that's only going to last so long. He was just buying time. And in fact, he got to the point where as he was paying them off, he literally, he had just rebuilt the temple. He had had the temple rebuilt. He had had it refurbished. But he literally took the gold off the doors in the entrance of the temple and melted it down and had that given to Assyria as part of the payment in order to keep them away. That's not a good thing, is it? That's not exactly what we would call trusting in the Lord with all of your heart and leaning not on your own understanding. You see, Hezekiah was trying to get by with half or three quarters obedience. But God wanted him to have full obedience. And so what happened? Well, some bad things happened. And so here's what happens in this breakthrough moment. And I wonder, as we talk about this breakthrough moment, this breakthrough moment wasn't because the calendar turned over to the next year and he made a resolution. This breakthrough moment happened for Hezekiah because bad things happened to him. Because he was in over his head and he finally realized it. And I just wonder, what would your breakthrough moment be? And what if your breakthrough moment only comes because you're finally broke? Let me say that again. What if your breakthrough moment only comes because you're finally broke? Now, I don't mean because you can turn your pockets inside out and not get a penny out of them. Maybe that is part of the case. But I mean that you're finally broke before God. That you're broken before Him and allowing God to heal you, to make you new, to make you whole again. So let's see how Hezekiah got broke. First of all, we see that Hezekiah was intimidated. In verse 19, it says, The field commander of the Assyrian army, this is, said to them, this is his army, this is the, uh, the the Judean army that the field commander is saying this to, tell Hezekiah, this is what the great king, the king of Assyria says. Now let's just stop here for a second and recognize that the only time in Scripture that the great king is ever referred to, except for this instance, in this passage, it happens twice, is when it's speaking of God. 
And here, the Assyrian army, the commander is not talking about God, but is talking about the Assyrian God. This is foreshadowing of what is about to happen when the Assyrian king finds out he's not so great after all. This is what the great king, the king of Assyria, says, On what are you basing this confidence of yours? You say you have the counsel and the might for war, but you speak only empty words. On whom are you depending that you rebel against me? Hezekiah was intimidated. He had words come against him that spoke to the core of his being about his competence. Have you heard those words? Have you heard them maybe within your head or maybe you've heard them from a relative? Maybe you've heard them from a boss or a supervisor. Have you heard those words that are meant to intimidate you, to tear you down? If so, count yourself blessed. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Remember that it's in your brokenness that you can find God. Next, we see that Hezekiah was lied to. He was lied to about God. Verse 25 says, Furthermore, I have come to attack and destroy this place without word from the Lord. The Lord himself told me to march against this country and destroy it. Again, this is the Assyrian commander speaking here. The Lord told me to come and to do this awful thing to you. Hezekiah was lied to. If I had a dollar for every time I've heard somebody say, the Lord told me to do it, and it was something that was completely unbiblical. <laughs> but this is our world, isn't it? We try to make God into our own image. Right now, what we hear in our culture is that the God of the Bible is uh, too old school for everybody. The God of the Bible is not culturally relevant enough for us we need to be putting our faith in uh, the science instead. Now, please hear me. I have nothing against science. Science is a wonderful thing in so many ways. Science was really started by followers of Jesus Christ to help understand his creation better. But when we worship it, it becomes an idol, doesn't it? The reality is that science hasn't come up with a way to resurrect you from the dead yet. But God has. So Hezekiah was lied to. You and I are lied to every day by our culture, by our world. We are told false things about God that lead us to discouragement. The next thing we see is that Hezekiah's integrity or his competence was questioned. It says in verse 28, Then the commander stood and called out in Hebrew. He's speaking in his own language now. Hear the word of the great king. Again, that slanderous title. The king of Assyria. This is what the king says. Do not let Hezekiah deceive you. He cannot deliver you from my hand. Do not let Hezekiah persuade you or to trust in the Lord when he says, the Lord will surely deliver us. The city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. So, to recap, Hezekiah was intimidated. He was lied to. He had his integrity and his competence questioned. To put it short, he was broken at this point. He knew that he needed more of God in his life. Are you there yet? Are you at that point where you recognize it's time to take it to the next level? 
Maybe you've thought that you have been all in in your faith. But now that you realize there's a deeper element that's there, it's okay, that's normal. It's okay to be at this place called brokenness. It's okay to be at this place where you have no one to trust in but God Himself. It's not only okay, it's, it's a great place to be. Because as we're going to see, God comes through. Let's look at Hezekiah's response, though. The first thing that we see coming from Hezekiah is a complete and utter dependence upon God in prayer. I don't know about you, but if I was the king, I would want to make sure that I was properly dressed at all times and always look like I had my act together. Wouldn't you? If you had those beautiful robes, you would wear them because you wanted to show that things were under control. But listen to what Hezekiah does. In chapter 19, verse 1 and following, it says, When King Hezekiah heard this, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and went into the temple of the Lord. And so here we see this. He is going into a season of mourning. He is going into a season where he can do nothing but trust in God. And so here he is. How do you think this sent confidence into the people? When you see your king going down to the temple, instead of wearing his royal robes, he's put on his sackcloth and his ashes. He's put on an old feed sack, if you will. And he's going down there to mourn. He's going down there to seek the Lord. And it says he sent Eliakim, the palace administrator, Shebna, the secretary, and the leading priests, all wearing sackcloth. They have a big old parade going down to the temple. But this is not a parade of celebration. This is a parade, we've got to get our act together here and trust in the Lord. And they told him, they went to Isaiah, and it says they told him, this is what Hezekiah says, this day is a day of distress and rebuke and disgrace as when the children come to the moment of birth and there is no strength to deliver them. Nine months of anticipation is what he's comparing this to, and yet no strength to finally have the child. It may be that the Lord your God will hear all the words of the field commander whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to ridicule the living God, and that he will rebuke him for the words of the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, pray for the remnant that still survives. Now, we're going to come back to this idea of ridiculing God here in a moment. But first, pray for the remnant that still survives. Man, could that be a verse for the Christians in our culture today? Pray for the remnant that still survives. We're seeing record numbers of people fall away from the faith, walk away from the faith, turn away from the faith, and it continues to get worse with younger generations. Church, we must be a people that prays for the remnant that still survives because God has done great works through remnants before and He will do it again. I am confident of this. We must pray for the remnant that still survives. So we see that Hezekiah's first response was complete and utter dependence upon God in prayer. His second response was he listened to God's words over the word of the enemy. It says when King Hezekiah's officials came to Hezekiah, Isaiah, amongst other things that he said, if you read the entire passage, you'll see Isaiah had quite a sermon in there that talked about God's deliverance. 
But it says, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid of what you have heard. Those words with which the underlings of the kings of Assyria or the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. And so here they go to Isaiah the prophet and they say, we need to hear a word from the Lord. We need to hear God's word. And let me tell you, as important as prayer is and as central as prayer is, we must also be people of God's word. We must continually stay grounded in God's word. And we must also make sure that we are listening to people who will convey God's words to us. If you're struggling with an area in your life, go and get wise counsel from a Christian who will speak God's word to you, who you trust to know that they will be faithful to give you God's word and not just what your itching ears want to hear. Because there's plenty of that out there, isn't there? We need to hear God's word. So he listened to God's words over the word of the enemy. And finally, what we see is that Hezekiah focused on bringing glory to God's names. Excuse me, to God's name. Hezekiah focused on bringing glory to God's name. Have you stopped in the midst of your trial and said, you know what, God? I've given up on bringing glory to my name. Let me bring glory to your name. Because the reality is, is that if we really want to bring glory to God's name, sometimes that's going to be through suffering. In fact, I know at least once in all of your lives, you will have to suffer for the Lord. You will have to suffer through illness, through sickness, through hardship. And how you endure is how God's glory or God's name will be glorified. I don't like that either. But it's true. How you endure, how you choose to bring glory to God's name in spite of suffering will be vital to your walk with God, to your witness. Here's what the scripture says. Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. I love this. He takes it up to the temple, and, and it doesn't fully say what this looks like, but, but I picture as he spread it out before the Lord, Hezekiah is down on his knees before the Lord, and he spreads open this letter from Isaiah, and he has this prophecy that is here, that, that God's name will be glorified, that things will not go as the Assyrian king wants them to go, and he just lays them out before the Lord, and, 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 and they're, they're praying over them, they're speaking these words to being, and, and I just think... What's keeping us from doing the same thing? What's keeping us from writing out God's promises? What's keeping us from writing out our struggles that we're having? The things that we need to overcome before, with God's strength. Just writing them out. And what if we started every morning that way? What if you had that written out? What if you had that list of things written out and you just laid them out before the Lord and you just prayed for them every day and said, God, I'm on my knees because I can't do this on my own. I need you to come and to intervene. I need you to help me through this battle that I've been in the midst of. Would your life not be better? Knowing that it's God that's carrying this. You don't have to carry this. God's carrying it for you. And He's not just carrying it, He's carrying you. 
You know, I, I, went, I went this week to visit with Donna Whitaker. I don't know, I don't know most of you know Donna, but those of you who don't, Donna's, a, Donna's a, a prayer warrior that's been a part of our church for such a long time. A faithful woman of God who um, is, is she, she's coming towards the end of her life. And as she was there, um, one of the things that, that I saw was her prayer journal. And I asked her, would you just walk me through your prayer journal? And this prayer journal she had, it, it was falling apart. I mean, the pages were falling out, but yet they were still stuck in there in the same order. And as she flipped through the pages, I saw many of your pictures that were printed off and put in that prayer journal, along with names and what to pray for for you. And I thought about that and, 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 and I just said, man, like this is this is a woman who, who is is giving what she has over to God every day, even though physically she can't get down on her knees anymore and pray for these things. She is laying all of us out before the Lord on a daily basis. What does that look like, church, if we all did that? What does that look like if that was the norm instead of the exception? And, and I was convicted myself of my own prayer life, and I thought, man, God, this is, this is what we need. This is what we need to truly thrive and to truly see the fullness of God work in, in our lives. I, I want to have a prayer journal that's worn out. I want to have those, those people that I've been praying for, those pictures, I want them not just to be sitting over in a pile collecting dust, but literally to be so worn that the only way I know their names is from memory because everything else is so worn from use. What if we practiced our faith this way? Constantly laying ourselves and our loved ones and our church before the Lord and our community. Recognizing that just as Hezekiah needed God to come through, so do you and I. And you know when your rock bottom moment is? Your rock bottom moment is going to be whenever you choose to let it be. It's going to be whenever you say, you know what, I'm going to let God have it all from this point onward. When you do that, you'll find God's strength renewing you. And it says, and Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth, even Assyria, the one that's trying to attack us. You have made the heaven and the earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to the word Sennacherib. Yeah, whatever that guy's name is. Has sent to ridicule the living God. Now this is, this is where we come back full circle to that idea that when we pray, we're praying for the glory of God, not for our own name. And I just want to challenge you and encourage you what if instead of saying, God, I need your healing in my life in this area. What if you said, God, I want your healing. But more than that, I want your name to be glorified, whether that's through healing or whether that's through suffering. God, I, I want your financial provision in this area. What if you prayed, God, I do want your financial provision. But even more so than that, what I want is your name to be glorified, whether I get more money or not. 
God, I want this relationship healed. And I'm going to work my tail off to let it happen. But whether this relationship is healed or not, I'm going to be giving myself to you. I'm going to be wanting for your name to be glorified through it all instead. That's what's first and foremost. God, our culture, what we want more than anything else is for your name to be glorified. Because right now, God's name's not being glorified in our culture. God's name's being mocked and, and trying to be destroyed and everything else. What if we prayed in our culture, God, make yourself known. Let us as East Point glorify your name. Let us show the world that only God can. And so give ear, says he sent to ridicule the living God. Do something about it, God. Now, Lord, our God, deliver us from his hand so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know you alone, Lord, our God. God, make yourself known above everything else. And it says in verse 35, that night, the angel of the Lord went out and put, a death, put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. I love how the Bible stories just do this. They have all of this buildup, all of these people that are suffering, crying out to God. And then it just says, so that night, the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 of the enemy. It's almost anticlimactic, isn't it? But the whole point is, is, that, is that we find ourselves in this, in this, in this mess, in this area. And, and what we have to do is cry out to the Lord. And the Lord has the power to glorify His name always. And He will do so. But He wants to do so through willing servants such as you and me. And so the Lord put to death 185,000 of them. And the people got up the next morning. They were all the dead bodies. So they broke camp and withdrew. And that was it. Hezekiah, unfortunately, didn't necessarily finish strong. He was about to die and he prayed and asked the Lord for 15 more years of his for life. The Lord answered his prayer and gave him 15 more years. But unfortunately, those 15 years says in the scriptures that he didn't finish as strong as he should have. He went away from trusting in God, which is so easy to do, isn't it? I wonder if you've gone away from trusting in God at the level that you used to. I wonder if you've gotten comfortable in your walk. If you've gotten comfortable in your life and it's time to go back to a full dependence upon God. So let me just ask this, these two questions. The question I started with, what would your life look like if you started off the new year fully dependent upon God? What would it look like? What would our church look like if we all started off the new year fully dependent upon God? You know, the most amazing part of this story isn't Hezekiah's example. The most amazing part of this story is what's the most amazing part of your story. And that is God's faithfulness. That God was there for Hezekiah. That God was there and heard his prayer and answered his prayer. In spite of how faithful or unfaithful, however you want to measure Hezekiah's life, God was there and he's there for you too as well. He's there in the midst of that situation that you've been crying out to him for. He's there in that midst of that situation that you've been holding back from crying out to him. And he's just waiting. Just waiting. 
just waiting to act in his love. As I was talking with Donna this past week, we started talking about old hymns. And one of the hymns that we talked about was, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And that verse at the end, that, that, that's, that part, I'm not going to sing it for you because, well, that would cause you to turn to the Lord for sure. But let me just say it for you. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what painful toil we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. And let me just remind you that when we carry our burdens to God in prayer, that He carries us. He carries us. He carries our problems. He allows His name to be glorified. He allows us to receive the peace that we so often forfeit. What would it look like if your life started off, if you started off the new year fully dependent upon God? Church, let's find out the answer to that question. Amen? Father, we come to you as people who, like Hezekiah, sometimes we think we're fully dependent upon you only to discover that we're really not. That so often we're carrying, trying to fight the battle ourselves with our own solutions, with our own answers. And Lord, we know that you are faithful to not stand far off, but to be so near to us. And to be ready to answer at a moment's notice. To be ready to bring glory to your name. To be ready to bring healing and victory into our lives. And so we pray, Lord, for the strength and the wisdom to turn to you and to depend fully upon you. We pray for that weakness, Lord, as the world sees it. To be fully manifested so that we know that you are the one person that we must turn to. God, glorify your name in us just as you did with Hezekiah's life. And may his prayer that he prayed continue to be made known in us. That all kingdoms of the world may know that you alone, Lord, are God. That's our desire. That's why we're here, Lord. That all nations, all kingdoms, all peoples would know that you are the one true God. Now glorify your name in us in this new year. May we truly be an only God can kind of people who depend upon you for everything. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.